Doug. I met a, I met a lot of you out in the out in the lobby, and it was your first time. So if you if it's your first time, will you raise your hand? I, I just want to, because it's my first time. Awesome. Thank you guys. So it's my first time, and so I didn't get a t-shirt either, but we, maybe we can get one after it. Um, when I walked up, I said, is there room at the table for me? And they said, yes. And I love the idea. There is a, there is a place for you at the table. My question to you is, are you willing to go take it? If it's a table you've never sat at before, if it's a place you've never been, if it's something you've never done, are you willing to say, I'll do that? And I'll make it real simple. I just want to talk to you tonight about your willingness for God to do a new thing in you. Your willingness for God to lead you somewhere that you've never been. Something beyond your wildest dreams that God would open up a door for you to serve or to be there in whatever it is. I just want you to think about that. And then I'm going to come back to a text uh, in just a moment. I want you to, uh, to welcome uh, some folks that really are very special to me because they lead our children's ministry. And I think they are phenomenal in what they're doing. And they do that under the leadership of Pastor Derek. He's not here, is he? Yeah, Pastor Derek is over our children's uh, ministry, but we have a team that's here, and in fact, one of them is going to come up, and I'm going to uh, interview her, but I want you to welcome all of them. We got Lana is right here, and Lana is the big, large group, what do you call it? Uh, I'm a large group coordinator. And she is one of the most creative people you'll ever meet. She is an actress. She does all kinds of crazy things and happened to have graduated from the same school I graduated from in Arkansas. Yes, where I met my bride. And then next to her, you're going to meet Hannah in just a minute. And then Mandy, stand up. Mandy Bloy, Mandy's over all our preschool ministry. And so welcome, Mandy. Welcome, Lana. And Hannah, who is over fourth and fifth grade, come on up, Hannah. Join me up here, if you will, and uh, I want to have a conversation. So, Hannah, is it true that Doug, the wonderful pastor of this group, asked you a question about what, how do you know the youth family? Is that, is that true? He was uh, messaging me on Facebook and telling me how excited he was. I was coming to the table, and I don't have my last name on my Facebook. It's just my middle name. And so he messaged me and said, oh, that's so cool. How do you know the youth family so well? Because I have, like, a picture of my whole family on my Facebook. And I was like, well, I'm the daughter of the youth family. So, <laughs> so would you welcome my daughter, Hannah Youth? <laughs> Ah, uh, that was a classic moment, Doug. I am so glad she got you on that. So uh, it made me feel good that he was still so nice to yeah. me, even though he didn't know I was the pastor's daughter. There you go. I mean, Doug has to be on his toes all the time. He never knows who's it, who is going to be. Now, uh, Hannah, Hannah's the third of our three children. Uh, Hannah was um, born in actually South Arkansas. And then grew up primarily in Louisiana and went to LSU. Anybody LSU in here? We got LSU in the house. There's one. Awesome. Go Tigers. Um, And then Hannah graduated with a a degree in elementary education and ended up coming back to Orlando. And so you're, you're here now and hanging out. And you are actually working in children's ministry. I am. I just started three weeks ago as the Studio 45 director. Which is? It's for fourth and fifth grade, and it's this whole new experience that we have for for fourth and fifth. They actually were just tearing down a wall for me today to have a, a whole big room for them. And awesome. Yeah, changed this uh, That's whole pretty new cool. Uh, so, Hannah, what, this group is uh, college, and some of you guys are out of college. You're in uh, professional life now. Um, how amazing is it to see a group like this of college students who come and who faithfully want to be a part of something. I mean, this is my second time coming here. And the first time I come, I came last week with, was with Mandy. And I walked through the doors and I already felt like I was at home. I already felt like I was loved. And you don't really get that usually when you come into a new area or you're meeting new people. And I mean, I wish I had this at LSU because 
I would have been a little bit more involved with church if I, was, <laughs> if I had a place like this. So you're telling me you didn't go to church? Um, <laughs> Did she just say she didn't go to church? I just missed your teachings. So yeah, I'm sure. I... <laughs> I'm sure. Man, you never know what you're going to learn when you come and speak at the table, right? <laughs> All this time I thought she was in church every Sunday. So, Hannah, tell, uh, just tell us about, I mean, I know you, you love children and obviously you went to school and, and got your elementary education degree, but tell us about the ministry you're in, kind of what, what's the focus for what you're doing right now. So what we're doing in the kids' ministry, you uh, met Mandy and Lana, we have all new people that are kind of heading up the kids' ministry and we have so many new and exciting things that are happening, we want to make each student feel important and feel like they're needed and special in, in the kingdom of God. And um, I just think it's great because it's our, they're going to be the next generation that we, that we have. And any, any time that you invest in them, you know, it'll be multiplied because they're going to grow up one day and be our age and be at a point to where they get to decide, well, am I going to join a church community or I can do my own thing? And I just pray. My dream is that they won't make the same mistakes I did, and, and they'll get involved with the church because they'll realize how much it meant to them, you know, as a kid. Let's talk yeah. about those mistakes that you made. <laughs> no, um, let's not. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, what, you're fourth and fifth grade. Uh -huh. Okay. So do any of you guys remember when you were in the fourth or fifth grade? Some of you remember? <laughs> you remember? What, if you had to pick a word that described you in the fourth or fifth grade? What, what word would you pick? Let me see your hand. Somebody tell me. Awkward. Awkward. Awkward what yes. else? Violent. Violent. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's awesome. You should have told me that three weeks ago. I'm glad you're out on good behavior. We're glad to have you tonight. <laughs> what, what, anybody else? What word? Silly. 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 What is it? Shy. Shy. Yeah. Anybody else? No filter. No filter. No filter. <laughs> That's the best part of That's all great. jobs. Yeah. No and you're saying you have one now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> all right. What is it? What's that? Teacher's, Teacher's pet. pet. So how many of you in fourth, fifth grade struggled with like self-image, who you are, who you are, who you wanted to be, that kind of thing? That, therefore, the violence, right? Is that right? <laughs> so a lot of you. Hannah, do you remember fourth and fifth grade? Bit. I was homeschooled, so yeah. it all kind of blurs together. Yeah. Homeschoolers? Yeah. Hey, we turned out all right. <laughs> Let's don't go there Most either. Of us. Um, so, what do you think, as you think about fourth and fifth graders, I mean, that's such a critical age because they're about to be in student ministry. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think is one of the main things that you guys are, are wanting to accomplish and wanting to do for those fourth and fifth graders? Well, like I said, we want them to feel like they are needed. We want them to feel important. And our main focus on, is on building relationships within the fourth and fifth grade. Um, because up until now, they've been with kindergarten through fifth. So it's kind of like, all right, this is too young for me. You know, I'm over it. I'm ready to go to the student center. And, um, but I think they have so much to learn still. And they're still absor absorbing everything that you're teaching them. Um, yeah. So I think just... Building relationships that will last is, is very important. It's very important for that age. So you love children. There's no doubt about that. It, Hannah, as a babysitter, I mean, you're one of the best. I watch you with even now our grandson, my grandson, and, and you're, uh, I guess he's your nephew, right? Nephew. Yeah. Not my grandson. He's my no, nephew. my grandson. Your, grandson. your nephew. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure it out on the spot. Um, so... So what, what would you say to these guys about a place for them there? Is there a place for college students, for uh, young professionals to be involved in children's ministry? Yes, definitely. We have, even if you have no experience with kids, um, it can be a, a little bit chaotic with the children, <laughs> but it's organized chaos, and they just want to have a great time. They want to have fun. They want to fellowship, and then at the same time, we can help them grow in their faith, um, and we can use anybody. If you want to do drama with Lana or worship, um, or even just if you're good at organizing and kind of keeping up with who's coming in and 
anything that you could possibly want to do, we have a spot for you. So what would you say to somebody sitting out there that goes, you know what, I might like to do that. What, what, do, they, what do they need to do? What's their next step? So you can come talk to one of us after. We'll be out at the table in the front. Um, and if you have any desire or if the Lord's calling you to work with kids and love on kids, um, we would love to talk to you. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of, of places, like I was saying, that you can fit in. And I think you'll So you guys, love if, it. if they sign up, they're not going to be thrown in the Oh, no. You know, no. a group of 50. Okay, lead them. It's all no. you. No, so Mandy yeah. and I will actually be discipling whoever our leaders are. So if you come and join our team, each week we'll meet with you and disciple you and love on you and help you with whatever you're struggling with in life or in um, helping lead, and we'll be there to, to help you, and it'll be great. I'm, I'm excited to get to know y'all. You know, most of the time, you guys probably get the feeling and... I'm so sorry this is the case in many churches that as a college student, churches kind of look at you like, well, you know, they're only here for a little while. Number two, they don't have any money, so they're not going to give. Uh, number three, you know, so why waste our time? I've, I've, I've been in churches. That was the attitude. In fact, I, I'll be real honest with you. When I got here, um, I began to look around at this area back then. It's more than this now, but back then, we counted in Central Florida 150,000 college students. Now, that was 13 years ago, and it's a lot more than that now. So in my mind, I said, you know what? I think the first position I need to fill is a college pastor. I need a guy like Doug. I, I didn't know Doug at the time, but I, I thought to myself, I need that. Now, I can't tell you who this person was. But I can tell you what they said. When I shared it with them, I thought they'd go, man, that's awesome. I've been praying for something like that, man, to reach the college students of this area. And they looked at me and said, why would, you, why would that be the first position you want to fill here? I said, well, why not? And he goes, well, there's only like 12 college students coming. And I looked at him and I said, that's why. <laughs> that's exactly why. <laughs> Do you understand? Didn't understand. And there are churches that they don't see the incredible value that you bring to a church. So I just want to tell you before I go any further tonight, thank you guys for making First Baptist Orlando your home while you're here. I mean, if we have you one year, two year, four years, or for the rest of your life, it doesn't matter. I just want you to have a place to call home and a place where you can grow and most importantly, serve. And so Hannah is here just to tell you a little bit about, as you've heard, getting involved in an area. Fourth and fifth grade is one of those areas. Children's ministry all across the board. Uh, even in preschool, I'm, I'm assuming, Mandy. Now, let's talk about something that, I mean, you guys probably know this. You'll have to have a background check. And that's simply because you're going to be working with children. And we just live in a world that's not a uh, kind and friendly world anymore. And so you have to be very, very careful. So they'd have to have a background check. But, but it's pretty simple. Simple. Yeah. It only takes a few days. They don't interview your past boyfriends or no. things like that. So, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Do we need to talk about no, that? We don't. <laughs> no. Man, I got a list of things I'm going to talk about later. So oh, uh, they have to have background check, and then Hannah, what drew you to children's ministry? What What was it that made you want to go there? Um, I just love that. The kids are so welcoming. Like they don't, the, you don't have to impress them. You show up and they're already just in awe that you're there and, and there to be with them and hang out with them. And, you know, everything that, that you say and do, they're watching and it's, it's just fun. Like I love just to be around them. It's kind of a nice break from adults because, you know, kids <laughs> are just there to have a good time. And so I could work there? I, you could work yeah. It'd you know, be a, a nice break. From break. All the adults. So, yeah, so, uh, it's great. So I want to tell you one more thing, Hannah. Uh, they're going to be out there at the end. You heard her say that and, and whatever questions you might have. And I'm serious, guys. We, while you're here, get involved. Use the gifts God's given you. Because some of you, anybody doing elementary education as a as trained? Really? Oh, that's awesome. Anybody else? Got a few hands? And you don't have to be an elementary ed major. Just 
you have a heart to serve and a heart for children, I want to encourage you, find a way to get involved. Because this church gets a lot smaller when you're involved. And I just think you grow a lot faster and you grow more like Christ. I've always said you're never more like Jesus than when you serve. And so serving is, to me, a real indication that you have a heart for him. And this would be a great place to serve. Um, Anything else you want to say to him? I was going to share a little bit of my testimony, which is kind of me being honest. Um, When I first moved back from LSU, of course, I tried my best to come to church every Sunday. (laughs) And... um, but I would get these emails that were, hey, we'd love for you to volunteer. We'd love for you to uh, pick, a, pick a place where you can fit in. And I was like, okay, isn't it enough that I'm making it to church on Sunday? Like, what else do I have to do? <laughs> just, yeah. And so, um, but once I started meeting people in this ministry, in the kids' ministry, and realizing that they were blessing me more than I was blessing them, um, like, I needed that. I needed a community that would help me grow in my faith and me to feel fulfilled like I was doing the will of God because everything changes. It comes full circle once you realize that, like, what you're doing is building the kingdom of God and you're preparing these kids for the future and you're helping them grow and learn. And um, it's been probably the best thing that that I've ever done. So, see, when you're in fourth and fifth grade, how old are you? Normally, 10, 11, normally. 12. <laughs> huh? 10, 11, and 12. See, I think that's probably the number one age that most, if, they're gonna, if you're going to come to Christ as a child, it's in that window. Mm-hmm. From maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So you're making an eternal difference. Because some of those kids will come to know Christ. They'll understand the love of Jesus and follow Christ for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when you got involved and began to think about possibly getting involved in children's ministry. Did you have the confidence that you could do it? And did you feel like, oh, this will be easy. I'm, I'm, man, this won't be, this won't be hard at all. No, not at all. <laughs> what, what were your feelings? Uh, well, when you first get there, it's a little overwhelming. Um, just because, you know, we do have curriculum that you can go through and teach But we also give people the chance to shadow. Like if you want to come in and watch and kind of observe and see if it's the correct place for you, uh, we offer that now. Um, But you have to be be okay with organized chaos and and be willing to just kind of roll with it. You know, the kids are going to say anything. They're going to... So Blurred what you're saying is the table prepares them for that moment, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. For it's like having Doug in your classroom. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> that would be a challenge right there. So, Hannah, I just want to say one more thing to you. Um, I promised myself I wasn't going to do this. I just want you to know how proud I am of you. And you're doing a great job. And you're going to make a great difference for his kingdom. Thank you for serving. Bless you. Love you. So you guys are out there after it, right? Let me, uh, let me tell you how that fits into everything. I think one of the hardest things to do in your life is to step into an area that you've never been in. To do something you've never done. And I know that you're wild and crazy and you love adventure and you love that, that you have that pioneer spirit. But what is it about things that when God begins to stir in us, it's so hard to let go. And all those fears come back, everything comes back. I want to show you a place in the Bible. It's, It's one of my favorite. In fact, when we went through the Gospel of Mark, if you were here for that, I don't remember when it was, probably a year and a half ago we came to the verse uh, in, in Mark chapter 2. But I want to use Luke. So if you've got a Bible um, or if you've got your phone or whatever, I want you to turn, if you will, to, um, to Luke 5, verse 33. And, and let me tell you, that the issue that Jesus was having, and he had it everywhere he went, he didn't fit the mold He didn't fit their expectations. They had a little box that they kept God in. 
And Jesus didn't fit the box. In other words, he was different. And he challenged status quo. He challenged systems. He challenged everything that they knew, traditions. And so this is a moment that happens in one of those challenges. Okay? The question is about fasting. But believe me, that was not their issue. Their issue was a lot bigger than just one ritual called fasting. Their issue was, why in the world are you not like everybody else? Why are you not doing what we've always learned, taught our children to do and everything else? Why are you so different? And, and, and the answer Jesus gave is a parable. It's one of the shortest parables that he ever gave. And it's about wine and wineskins. And it, to me, is one of the greatest teachings. And it has challenged me throughout my life to be ready for God doing a new thing in me. So before I read the text, what is one area of your life that you're really struggling with letting God change? Allowing God to change it. Is there an area in your life that you really struggle with? Okay, here's another question. Is there something you have thought about doing, but you just can't bring yourself to take the step to do it? Because at the end, in just a few moments, I, I, want, you to, I want you to take the step. Now, physically, obviously, it may be something that involves being somewhere else, doing something else. But at least position yourself tonight. To say, God, I'm not afraid of that. If that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Max Dupree made a statement. He said, if you're ever going to be what you were intended to be, you can't stay where you are. If you're ever going to be what you were intended to be, you can't stay where you are. And so I just want you to know it's okay to be a little discontent tonight with yourself and with where you are. And it doesn't mean that it's a bad place, but it may mean that there's something even more, something even better, okay? So kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Let, let's read the text together, and, and let me walk you through. Start in verse 33, and it goes through verse 39. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So he told them a parable, and here's the parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new. For he says the old is good. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So what is this about? It's about the challenge that Jesus brings in every area of our life. It's the old versus the new. It's the old versus the new. And he battled it everywhere. And it's something that you and I, I mean, as we often think of you guys as probably the most ready for change, the most flexible. I don't necessarily agree unless you're very radically different than what I was when I was... I may have appeared to be very open to change, but I really didn't like things that were new. I wanted my comfort zone, as we say. I, I wanted the routine. I wanted the pattern of my life. And when I was out of that pattern, it just really drove me nuts. Anybody can understand that? Does it connect with you? The rhythm of our life, when we're out of that, it's very difficult. How many of you are away from family right now? In other words, your family lives somewhere else in some other... Wow. And so what I would like to know is, have you found yourself just a little bit intimidated 
by being outside of what was known to you. I mean, in other words, have you found yourself in these moments? Don't raise your hand. You found yourself in these moments just kind, of, just kind of feeling like I'm a little bit lost. I'm not really sure. I know I'm here to go to school or I'm here to work at Disney or I'm here to do whatever it is. But I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure of my place here. I can tell you, it's okay to feel that way. It really is. Because let me tell you what the problem with new is. What the problem with, with different is. Uh, there are several problems. Number one, nobody likes change. Wait, you don't like change. I don't like change. We always talk about the older folks that are the ones most resistant to change. No. We're all resistant to change. It, it doesn't matter who you are. It's difficult to change. Okay? It's just difficult. The second thing is we're a lot more comfortable with the known than the unknown. How many of you, honestly, the unknown in life worries you, scares you a little bit? Raise your hand. I'd raise mine. Man, as long as I'm in a known situation, I'm, I'm good. I can handle it. But, man, when I get into situations and, and I'm not sure I've never been there, I'm not sure what I'm doing, that's a very intimidating moment for me. And it's crazy how sometimes we're afraid of things that there's nothing to be afraid of. You, if you were here a year and a half ago or whenever we dealt with this passage in Mark, you remember I told a story about something that was invented in 1842. 1842. The first time it was ever revealed was in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when it was revealed, people immediately began to write articles, editorials, whatever, about it. And it was condemned. Doctors warned that it was a menace to health. In fact, some cities actually levied a tax on it if you had one. And it was vigorously opposed. Do you remember what it was? It was a bathtub. A bathtub. So what's the problem with a bathtub? Nothing. But it was new. Nobody had ever seen it. it. It was totally different. And so whenever we see things that are new, it, it, it drives us crazy. My favorite, if I could have, Doug invited me to be here during the movie thing. What y'all call that? What was the name of it? Theology and Film? Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> Whatever. I, I thought it was some really cool creative title. But anyway, uh, no offense to whoever chose that. Here, here's a movie. Did anybody do Back to the Future? Anybody do Back to the Future? You did? No, nobody spoke on it, right? Well, I mean, that wasn't going to be my movie. I was going to do Dumb and Dumber. But anyway, uh, so much theology in that one. This scene in Back to the Future is one of my favorite scenes in some of the classic, you know, cult-following kind of movies. Watch this scene in Back to the Future. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But you can't. Oh. 
Your kids are going to love it. That's what he said. Your kids are going to love it. The point of that and what it just speaks to me is this. Isn't it amazing how people aren't ready for new things? And it's crazy. I mean, there's their nirvana moment, Doug. <laughs> I mean, they weren't ready for it. Obviously, it's a movie. Well, there's some things in life that are a movie. For example, a woman by the name of Marion Donovan had an idea. She went to paper companies because it involved paper companies. She presented the idea of what she thought would really be cool. She got turned down over and over and over and over and over again. Finally convinced one company to believe in what she had come up with. And so they partnered with her. Do you know what that product was? Pampers. Diapers. How would somebody not get that? Here's another one from my own state. I was born in, in Arkansas. Actually in Memphis, Tennessee, but then we moved to Arkansas right away. All right? So, if you've ever flown into Arkansas, you've flown probably into Little Rock. Little Rock is named, we call it the Hillbilly Airport, but it's Bill and Hillary Clinton Airport or whatever. That airport was approached by a man by the name of Fred Smith. Fred Smith said, I would like to base my business here. They said, what is your business, sir? I believe you can fly packages anywhere in the world and have them delivered almost overnight. And they said, you mean you want to base your operation here and you believe you can get packages all over the world overnight? And he said, yes. They met as the airport authority came back to Mr. Smith and said, you know what, <laughs> we, we appreciate you coming and, and offering us that, but we just think that's a little crazy, and we don't think that's possible, and so we really don't want to tie up any capital or any land here for a venture that we think doesn't have a chance of making it. So Fred Smith goes east about 80 miles to Memphis International, and now because of FedEx, Memphis is the busiest airport at night in the U.S. And Little Rock said, no, don't believe that. That's going to work. What I'm telling you is, all through history, there have been moments where people couldn't accept something just because it's new. So let me ask you, what if God wants to do something new in your life? What if he's wanting to take you to a place you've never been? What if he wants you to go on a mission trip to a place that you've never even dreamed of going? I remember our first international trip as a family. Hannah was probably, how old were you? Ten years old. We went to Zambia. And we didn't just go to Zambia. We flew for 20, uh, about 24 hours. And then we got in a vehicle and drove for 10 hours. And we spent the night, and then we drove another six hours into the bush. And we lived in a tent, all five of us, and ministered in a village in Zambia. Now, Hannah was 10. On the way, there was a little bit of turbulence. Anytime you fly over the equator. Anybody from Brazil in here? I've met a lot of guys from Brazil. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. When you fly to Brazil... Do you ever feel along the equator a little bump? It happens every time. I mean, it's almost without fail. It's going to get rough. We flew to Africa, and on the way over the equator, man, that plane, it was very rough. I'm sitting there, and I think one of my sons was beside me, and I had this thought, what in the world am I doing? I have my family on this plane. And we are headed to Africa. It just all of a sudden hit me. What am I doing? And it just, it frightened me. I mean, I had a moment there. I mean, it was just a panic moment of thinking, why did I do this? And then I, this voice just came and said, because I ask you, trust me. And I'm telling you guys, as we look back as a family, if you ask Hannah, if you ask the boys, if you ask Rachel, one of the greatest seasons of our life was when we were in the bush, living in a tent, 
No electricity, no running water. Loving on those people. And, and that was so our, outside of our comfort zone, so outside of everything we'd ever known, but turned out to be one of the greatest things we'd ever done. So we are afraid of the unknown because we, we, we're just a lot more comfortable with the known. I think another reason we don't like new is because we, it, we're afraid we lose control. There's a sense of control. And so we just don't want to give up control, and we're not sure what, what's going to happen when we take that step. Well, for those reasons and maybe many more, we don't like new things. We don't like change. Neither did they. But can I remind you, we have a God who is a God of the new. We have a God of change. We have a God who says, I mean, literally, Revelation 21, you remember that scene when John sees the vision of a new Jerusalem coming down like a bride adorned for her husband? And you remember what he hears? He said, there was one who was seated on the throne, and he said, behold, I am making all things the way they always have been. No. What did he say? I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. When you read this book, our God is a God of new. If any man be in Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a same old creature, <laughs> new creature. The old is passed away, and what? Behold, everything is new. Do you realize your body, the cells in your body, you're a new person every seven years? That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> you're like, okay, when does that seven year start, and when does it... Seven years, they say our cells completely change. See, everything around us is that way. God is a God of new. So why is it that we get in our little world and we're so resistant to God doing anything new? It's because we have a box just like they did. Well, let me tell you, God won't fit in your box. You can't get the creator of the universe in your box. You can't get the one who literally, as the, as the song said, spun us into being. He doesn't fit in your box. So you know what happens when he doesn't fit? When Jesus doesn't fit in your box, you have a decision to make. You either get rid of the box or you get rid of Jesus. And I'm sad to say for a lot of people, they've chosen the latter. Well, then I'll just get rid of Jesus and I'll just do church. As Hannah said, I'm just going to show up on Sunday. What else they want? My goodness, I'm there. Okay, listen to the parable. Listen to the parable Jesus said. Nobody takes a piece of garment and patches an old garment with it. And you can actually reverse it. Because what happens? It will tear and ruin it. I'm reading verse 36. And he told him a parable. No one tear, tears a piece from a new garment, puts it on an old garment. If he does, it will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. So in that, before he goes into the wineskin, he's talking about a patch that doesn't match up. If I could just interpret it for you, I'll make it real simple. Jesus is not a patch on your life because he will rip your life upside down. He's not an addition to your life. He's not an item on your resume. You see, they wanted Jesus to fit their life. They wanted him to be a patch on their religion and on their faith. He's not a patch. And so Jesus doesn't come and blend in with us. He doesn't come and just become an addition. He is the whole garment. He changes everything. And you know what happens. I mean, any of, you, any of you girls sew or guys, excuse me, didn't mean to be sexist there. Any, any of y'all sew? Yeah. What happens if you take a, new, a piece of new garment and you put it on an old one and then it's washed? That's right. It'll shred apart because the new is, is still changing. It, it, it'll shrink or do whatever it's going to do. And, and it tears it away. So in other words, you can't match old with new. And what Jesus was trying to say to them, I'm not going to fit. I'm not a patch. I'm not an addition to your little world. I came to change your world. And then the second parable, part of the parable, he says, And no one 
puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. It'll be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. No, new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. Well, what's the deal with that? Jesus talking about wine. Well, yes, he did. And let me tell you what he's talking about. You would never take new wine, pour it into an old wine skin, because new wine is still fermenting. I run into people every now and then that get all worked up and say, oh, man, Jesus, the, the wine in the New Testament was not fermented. It did not have an alcohol content. It was just like grape juice. And I'm like, really? I had a man one night in a restaurant come over, and he said to me, you know, David, I would be, I would be a Christian, but I just have trouble with the wine in the Bible. I said, what do you mean you have trouble with it? Well, he said, I just don't think it was the same kind of wine as we have today. And I said, and that's what's keeping you from faith? <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, I don't understand that. I've had people tell me, oh, no, 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 that wine Jesus served, I mean, that they served at the wedding. Remember where he did his first miracle? At the Cana wedding in John chapter 2. His first miracle was at a party. And they ran out of wine, and they came to Mary and said, what do we do? And he says, I don't know. Or she said, I don't know, but you probably want to do whatever he says. And Jesus tells them to take the water pot, and he goes, and, and they, they fill them. And you remember what happens? Dip some up, take it to the steward and the master of the feast. And they did, and they took it to him. He drank, and he's like, it's the best. How did you, why did you wait to the end to serve the best? That whole miracle was not about a party. It was not about wine. It was about Jesus new coming and surpassing the old. Because the, the idea of a party in those days and often our day was that you don't serve your best stuff early. You let them get drunk on cheap wine. And then you basically save the good for last and you don't you know, do much with it and they don't drink a lot. Now, some think that you know, Jesus is reasoning the other way around. doesn't really matter. What he's trying to say is, I'm the new wine. And I'm a lot better than anything you've been serving all along. I'm a lot better. I think wine in the Bible, in the New Testament, was fermented. And that's why it would expand. That's why it would change. Because the process of fermentation creates gas and it expands wineskins. And so if you pour new wine that's still fermenting, that's still expanding into an old wine skin, what happens? It bursts. It can't take it. Now, is the problem that the old wine skins were old? Be careful before you answer. No. It's not an age thing. I'm not about to look at you and go, well, y'all never have a problem with that. It's all the old folks have trouble with that. No. You can be just as hard and brittle as a person 90 years old. You can be just as set in your ways as a person 90 years old. You see, it's not about the age of the wineskin. It's about how flexible the wineskin is. It's about how open you are to change. It's about how you are ready to receive what he wants to do. The point of this parable is new wine will change the shape of a wineskin. And the wineskin will all of a sudden take the shape of the wine. I am constantly running into people and getting a sense that we want Jesus to fit into our image. We want Jesus to fit into our image. When he starts changing us into his, that's a, not an easy thing. That We struggle with that. But remember, you're a wineskin. And what God wants to do is pour fresh wine. Now, if you're set in your ways, if you're hard and brittle... It's going to be bad. You're going to burst and everything's ruined. But if you're flexible, oh, wow. You're going to take the shape of the new wine that looks just like Jesus. And so my question to you tonight is, are you ready for new wine? And before you answer, the last thing Jesus said. This verse is only in Luke. It's verse 39. The other gospel writers do not include this. Verse 39 says, And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. What is that about? And when you read that, it's the, Luke is the only one that has it, as I said. When you read that, it's like, that doesn't even make sense. What, what was Jesus talking about? 
That's an, actually a proverb. It's, from, it's got a Semitic background, which means a Jewish background. It's also got a Hellenistic background, which means Greek. It was a very known proverb that goes like this. As long as you have the old, you don't need the new. As, you, as long as you enjoy the old, then you don't necessarily want the new. No, thank you, I'm fine. I'm, I like the old. Jesus was not saying that as a positive or as a praise for them. He was basically telling them why they were having trouble with him. And it's because they had the old. Here's what I believe Jesus would say to us. The old will always be just fine until you taste the new. And once you taste the new, the old will never be the same. Once you taste the new, the old, I mean, the old is not enough. It's not good enough. Once you taste the new, you'll never go back to the old. But as long as you think the old is good, and let me apply it to your life, as long as you think you're at a good place in your life and you got all of God you want and you're doing fine, you'll never know the new things that Jesus wants to do in you. And you know what? You're going to miss a lot. But I hope you like the old because that's all you're going to know the rest of your days. When you basically say, God, I'm, thank you. I'm good. Don't need to change anything. I'm, I'm all good. You basically are living out this proverb. I like the old. It's good. I'm all good. But for those of you who would dare drink the new, you'll never be the same. And I promise you, you'll never go back to the old. And the only way you can know, taste it and see. You remember the psalmist, taste and see. Hey, uh, Britt, throw me that orange. Throw it. Nice. Nice job. We didn't practice that, did we? So I got a question. This is a, I don't think it's an orange. It's maybe a tangerine or something. Was it a cutie? Yeah, what is, yeah, mandarin, what is it? Mandarin orange, maybe? I don't know. Anyway. I got a question for you. Is it sour or sweet? How do you know? You don't know if it's sweet, do you? I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, that's sweet. You don't know that. There's only one way to know. Taste and see. I'm standing here to tell you tonight, Jesus has the most incredible new stuff he wants to do in you. But you'll never know until you taste it. Until you say, okay, Lord, I just want the new one. I want you to fill me. I want the new. I, I, I don't want to stay the way I am. I, I don't want to just stay stuck. I want everything you have for me. I'm ready for the new. I want you to look at this video. This is a video of new moments in people's lives. And you'll see the explanation on the screen. These are amazing. I, I kept looking at these as I watched this today, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. These are incredible moments. These are the first moments that certain things happened, okay? So watch this video.
So there are a lot of others on those, but those are the ones that really got me. You know what I thought of as I was watching those? None of those moments would have happened if they had said no to the dew. No, don't want to see snow, I'm fine. No, don't want to hold a cat even though I'm blind, I'm good. They would not have happened. Can you imagine what you're going to miss if you don't say yes to the new wine? You can only imagine it because you'll never know it. I pray we will say, Jesus, pour your wine in us. Change us. Whatever you want to do in us. So you remember the questions I asked you as we started? What's something he wants to change in your life? And then the other one was, what's something you think he wants you to do that you just, it's been tough to take that step to do it? Here's what I want us to do. The band's going to come up, and, and I just want us to have some time just to pray. And it's between you and the Lord. Only you know what it is. It may be getting involved in children's ministry. It may be saying, you know what, I'm going to go sign up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I, I'm not sure. I, I think it, there's somebody in this, in this room tonight that I think God is stirring in you to go to the nations. And, and whether it's career or whether it's just a short-term trip, I think God may be stirring in you to go and, and, and be on a mission trip to a place you've never even imagined going. Are you ready for the new? What Jesus wants to do through you. Let's bow together.